1: Hello everyone. Happy New Year. I'm uh, Kim Hakem, your host. Welcome to another episode of Anne Security for All. As a reminder, I just want to uh, let everyone know that we have two outlets of listeners today. We have our radio show listeners on Voice of America, and you can find that on any channel where you listen to your favorite podcast. Just search and Security for All. And we also have all of our... Uh, listeners that tune in from LinkedIn Live. So welcome back, everyone. Thank you for being um, our loyal listeners out there, and welcome to all our new listeners. So we are into the second week of 2023. How is everyone doing with their New Year's resolution? I was thinking about that this morning. Mine this year was, I mentioned this last week, was to try to get more sleep this year and kind of keep more of my work-life balance in check so far, it's I've been doing pretty good with that, but um, <laughs> next week I start going on the road and I get really busy, so I imagine things will probably shift a bit and I'll probably not keep up with that. Um, As as many of you guys know, I'm the CEO of FutureCon Events. We host cybersecurity conferences all over North America, and we are ramping up for our 2023 road tour. Yesterday, we had a great, we kicked off the year with a virtual event, and we had Ken Foster as our keynote speaker, and we had a record-breaking virtual event. It was pretty awesome to start the year that way. So next week, we're out in Dallas, then we head to Los Angeles and Chicago, and DC. So anyone out there, check out our events at FutureCon Events. You can join us in person or you can always join us virtually. Um, I have actually the last four weeks, I have not been traveling and I can tell it's time for me to get back on the road. I've been watching way too many. Well, first off, I've had way too much time on my hands and I've been watching way too many cult series out there on Hulu and Netflix. I think these shows are uh, probably not helping all the cults out there on their recruitment. Every week there's a new cult series or a crime investigation series and I have just been watching them all. I really need to get back on the road and, and hang that chapter up. But um, another thing I'm always amazed of is the gyms. This morning, I was going to the gym and um, about a year ago, I joined this Lifetime Fitness. It's like one of the top ones in the, um, the country And it's really funny because they have all kinds of characters there. But what's funny is all the years have pretty much worked out most of my life. It's always funny. The beginning of the year, you see all these people that get in your way that flood the gyms on January 1st, 2nd, 3rd. Well, this morning, it was back to normal 13 days in. And I guess all those people slept in instead of worked out today. So. Anyway, I am excited about my guest today. He's a colleague, a friend, a podcaster who I look up to, James Azar. He is a CISO, CTO, FinTech. He's in FinTech. He's the host of the CISO Talk Podcast, CyberHub, Hub. Um, and uh, he, uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about the goal post shift for a CISO. What does that mean? I don't know. We'll find out. Welcome to the show, James.
2: Kim. It's so great to see you. I I mean, you were the last event I attended for 2022 right here in Atlanta, and I kick off my first guest podcast appearance on yours in 2023.
1: That is good luck for me. See, there you go. What, James, did you have a New Year's resolution?
2: Did I have a New Year's resolution? Not really. Um, uh, More more of a balance, I think, in my life as well. Um, so, So last year, I was part of a startup, and so that, you know, I spent Thirteen months building a company, so it's kind of you know, takes takes a toll on you doing you know six days a week, eighteen hours a day. And, and it, I you know,
1: I hear school. you. I mean, even though I sit here and I told you, I think it's funny. I was listening to a podcast, nothing to do with our industry, just some of you know my my wasted stuff. I watch, you know, like the cult series. And this, and the lady on the podcast said, you know, all these cult series, it really has had to you know, put a damper and recruitment of all these cults out there because there's so many series. But but when you talk about work-life balance, I'm thinking, okay, see, it's still off. When I'm not working, I'm binge watching cult series. And now I'm going to put that away and I'm going to go back to, you know, having 95% of my time working. So, so, so,
2: so when I traveled, and I traveled a lot last year, right? Because I was between Atlanta and Dallas a lot. My my, my key of traveling, because when I travel, you know, yeah, you're doing events, you're going out to dinner, but then you come back and you're still working. Office reruns or Parks and Rec reruns, that's all I watched. I wouldn't watch any of the new shows. I didn't want to get emotionally attached to anything new because I know I could not watch The Office for three months if I had to and pick it back up and feel like I haven't lost anything because I've seen it like six times, same things with Parks and Rec. But if I watch a new show, I, I just, I can't do it. I don't, I don't want to give that emotional attachment.
1: I feel like when I'm in hotels, I end up watching The Office a lot, probably because, you know, I'm not going to go through the trouble to log into Netflix and remember my password because you already know how I am with passwords before the show. So I try to, you know, I have to have noise when I'm working. And that's why I, you know, because I'm very bad. You know, my real resolution was to try to get more sleep because with FutureCon, you know, this is my second company, and you know, I have stay up till two, three in the morning, and I was really found myself very sleep deprived last year. So I'm like, okay, I can't do that, but I'm already doing it. And then when you get into, and I'm see, it's the whole addiction of doing everything too much. When there's a series, I can't stop watching it, you know. And then all of a sudden, it's three, four in the morning, and that's not helping my whole work life balance. So. Very interesting.
2: I, I, the one thing I will say is, um, you know, since the, the last firm I was with shut down the week of Thanksgiving, and, and I'm kind of in between roles at the moment. The one thing I will say is, I've been taking afternoon naps with my son, my little. Well, that's
1: son. nice. It's all, yeah. And even if you get like a 20 minute nap, sometimes 20 minutes is just all I need to refresh.
2: Boys, um, sleepyheads, and him and I, we will. You know, we'll crash on the couch for like a good two hours. Like it's it's great, it's magnificent. I I, one of my favorite parts of my day sometimes is when my wife calls me and says he won't go to sleep. Can you come put him to sleep? And I was like, it means both of us are going to sleep. That's That's awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's really cold this weekend, and this is the first weekend I haven't had any like anything to do Friday night or Saturday night. And and it was 60 like two days ago. And I was like, no, I don't want it to be 60 this weekend. I want it to be cold so I can have my fireplace on and just be on my couch, have a lot of work to do. But those are my favorite times. So I can imagine I miss those days of taking a nap, you know. But we talk a lot about that with um, CISOs about work-life balance. Mm -hmm. You know, it's come up, you know how our events run and we always have that wrap-up CISO, you know, um, that panel. And, you know, that's one question that comes up because the CISO is very, very, you know, um, how, how do they do it? You know, I don't think there's any different than an entrepreneur, you know, starting up a business, but they're it's just hard to turn it off and you can't turn it off. Like I can't turn it off because every tech we do 28 events a year. So one event's over and it's great to have a couple of drinks and celebrate, but then the next day you're only as good as your last event, just like any sort of breach or attack or anything that you were able to accomplish not happening. You're still only as good as your next protected breach, I would imagine. That's
2: yeah. I in mean, your world. I mean, I would say this, that the role of the CISO has definitely evolved over time. Um, because the role of the CISO has been elevated within organizations. So what ends up happening in a lot of these cases is finding that balance is very, very difficult. And so you're, you're constantly having to kind of think of how you're going to divvy up your time between all the different things the CISO has uh, to do, as well as all the stuff that's really kind of not in the job description, but even more critical. Like building relationships, spending time, uh, dinners, lunches, uh, personal development—all those different things—you um, end up with very, very little time for anything else. If especially if you want to be really good at your job, and and uh, and I think that's why you see the CISO, the big Fortune 100s and Fortune 500s start something. You know, like Ron Green over at Mastercard, he started the office of the CISO, and. He's been able to bring in a bunch of senior VPs and VPs to run different disciplines of cyber. That gives him a bit more balance, and, and I think that's really important. And, and every company is going to have to have that because cyber, um, it, it, it doesn't run vertical; it runs horizontal. And so you've, you know, you're you're across the entire org. There's just there, there's nothing. It's kind of like a CFO, right? A CFO's got a very, you know, wide, you know, finance team from accounts payable to accounts receivable to you know, accounting to finance to you name it. Um, the CISO has to have the same.
1: Well, tell us about your new company um, before we kind of get into what we're going to talk about today.
2: But, oh, well, so, so I'm in still between roles, um, nothing new uh, on my end uh, yet. Um, you know, hopefully in the next few weeks, we'll see.
1: Okay. So we are keeping mom's the word on it. Mom's sounds the
2: like. Word on it. Yes, it is.
1: So how has everything been going with your podcast and what were some of your um, favorite if you, as you reflect, it was interesting. Do you know, um, do you know Alan Alford?
2: Yeah, of course.
1: And, um, he did last year, he was one of my first guests last year and he's such a great guy and a fun guy. And I watched one of his podcasts and, um, he is way more tech savvy than me, but he, uh. Um, did a reflection of everything in 2021 of like his best podcasts and he did little recaps. Have you done that?
2: Yeah. So, so last year uh, because of the startup, I didn't do the CISO talk podcast. I, I gave it a year off. I'm now bringing it back. The new, the new, new episodes are coming up into uh, this month. Um, I've had um, so far, I've got Patrick Benoit over at, uh, now he's at Brinks. Um, Ken Foster, who, who you had yesterday, who keynoted here in Atlanta as well. Um, I've had George Feeney on, um, I've got all
1: of our past keynote speakers. They're all, yeah,
2: I've, I've, I've got a really fun one I'm doing with, uh, with Danielle Wolf, Danny Wolf. I don't know if you guys know her. She has a podcast called the audience first podcast, um, where she kind of talks about she, it's, it's targeted to cybersecurity marketers to CISOs. So we're kind of doing a reverse, uh, CISO talk where I'm asking her like, you know, what are some of the challenges marketers have in terms of getting their messaging right for CISOs? Like, are our expectations as CISOs too, um, too, too crazy that marketers can never win? Meaning, is there always going to be that complainer, or, or do we also need to be listeners just like we want other people to be listeners as well? Um, and then so many others. I've got uh, Olivia Rose coming, um, and a whole slew of awesome guests this season. It's going to be CISO Talk is It's going to come back, I think, stronger than ever. It's funner. It's shorter than it used to be. It's about 35 minutes an episode. Um, and cyber Help podcast last year I did, you know, all year. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, my most memorable of all episodes is, is, is likely the one following the, the, the Octa breach. Um, sim- simply because of the, the nature of that, that specific breach last year was, was really something, uh, something to behold to. Um,
1: yeah, that Octa breach, tell us, um, well, first of all, Patrick Benoit is our part of our keynote speaker next week in Dallas, by the way.
2: So it's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, he's a great guy. So we're excited about that. And then we're doing George Finney's gonna be there too. And we have um, why am I going blank? Uh, Philip uh Philip Wiley. Uh-huh. That's, yeah, Philip and George, they're doing we're doing a uh CISO to author talk, and then they'll have book signings. And so Here's yeah, there look. it is. There it is. That's that's what. So anyone out in Dallas, you know, um, we're giving away a limited, probably about fifty books for each of the authors, and they'll be doing author an author signing. Too bad you're not in Dallas because then we wrap it up with live music at the House of Blues. So it's a really fun event in Dallas. So. I
2: love Dallas. I miss it.
1: Yeah, and so yeah. So George will be there next week too. So it's um really fun. Um, but anyway, going back to that Octa breach. So that Octa breach happens in the midst of us being, you know, slammed with events. And so, tell us a little bit about that breach and what happened, and did it have any effect on Okta?
2: So, so I think so, and and I think this goes to really kind of why the goalpost has shifted. So you've been doing events for a really long time, Kim. It used to be that we talk about VPN and antivirus detect, detect, detect. It used to be endpoint. Right, all of the con all, you, you'd hear CISOs talk endpoints, endpoints, endpoints. We've got to secure our endpoints, we've got to get our endpoints good. Um, and and I believe in 2021, we started to see the shift. And last year in 2022, and now the beginning of 2023, we're only 13 days in, but but it's already as clear as day. And today's Friday the 13th. So if that's not freaky, um, what is um, so what we're seeing is threat actors have realized. The, the endpoint game is just too too overwhelmed. Meaning, there's too many uh, endpoint vendors. There's too many different technologies to try to bypass. It just wasn't worth it. So they, they decided to to kind of take their skills and 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 uh, move them elsewhere. And and that elsewhere was identity. And that's the goalpost shift. The goalpost shift for every security practitioner and specifically CISOs is how do I protect the identity. Now, there's there's a lot of different uh, methods by which people will protect identity, and the most common of which is MFA, right? Multi-factor authentication. I can get a text message on my phone. Well, in theory, before the Twilio breach of last year, that would have been a very good best practice, but then Twilio was breached, and the Twilio breach impacted Okta. It also impacted every other... Um, credential major player in the in the country uh, that used Twilio and that's that's most most organizations most DevOps use Twilio for their two-factor authentication whether it be by text or by phone call um, because Twilio has the most robust platform they're the market leader in that space so getting into Twilio was no different than getting into Solar SolarWinds uh, uh, circa 2020. Um, because twilio had all the major players as their customer base no different than how solarwinds had the u.s government microsoft and so many others that all became subsequent victims of of the solarwinds breach and so kim like when you look at how how this has kind of evolved now it's really um the shift to identity and now you've really got to rethink the way you you manage identities you validate folks. And it kind of goes into, into that zero trust conversation, which you know, talked to me three years ago and said, James, you're going to be talking zero trust on identity. And I would have said, get the hell out of here. There's no way. Zero trust is a buzzword. Um, and now three years in, I, I can actually see the validity in some of the stuff that John wrote about early on around zero trust. And you can tell kind of he had a vision towards it. Um, and, and, and that vision is now kind of coming to fruition in terms of how you really push that through and you kind of, kind of create a zero trust network around identity because, because identity is going to be the cornerstone of everything you do.
1: So what is your, what do you think? I don't want to talk too much about Okta. They're a customer, but.
2: You know, and, and listen, Okta was a victim of a crime. It's very, it's very important for people to understand when we talk about uh, uh, security events that you can't look at the victim and go, they should have known better. Um, Okta in January of 2022 was a victim of a third party breach through one of their call centers. Um, and, and then again, they were a victim, uh, indirect victim because of Twilio. <laughs> um, and, and then again, they were an indirect victim uh, when their code base was taken. So, um, This was never anything direct at Okta because apparently Okta had really good cyber hygiene, but their third parties did it. And that goes into a greater conversation and something that I mentioned towards the end of 2022 when I did my five takeaways of 2022 was your supply chain and kind of notable things for 2023 is going to be your supply chain and third party vendors. And and how do you start managing them? uh better because if you look at every single major breach um last year that impacted these organizations um it result it was from a third party and so this is by no means a reflection on octa and octa is is merely the victim in this case um but but they're not the culprit does that make sense kim
1: it does it does and thanks for the clarification on that because honestly i really didn't know and um so I was curious. And and it takes me really quick, Terry, Duque. Thanks for being here today. Yes, the recording, all of our shows are recorded. You can find them on Voice America, but you can also go to the FutureCon YouTube channel and all of our shows are on that YouTube channel. But going back to Okta, And going back to third-party vendors and, you know, a lot, there's been a different shift. I just had this conversation this morning with a friend of mine that just started at a new company. He's been, you know, I've known him throughout my career and um, there's a lot of layoffs happening in the industry on the vendor side. Um, I'm seeing a different it's different. I don't know if if it's people just worried about, you know, the recession that, you know, we're headed into, you know, allegedly, it looks like we are. Um, So why do you think there's this big thing of so many layoffs? And I'm seeing the way I see the trend in the industry, because I've been doing this so long, I see what people are spending their marketing dollars on and how much marketing they're spending. And people are kind of keeping it close to, you know, they're doing quarter by quarter instead of a whole year? I mean, what kind of trends are you seeing? Because obviously, cybersecurity is not going away, you know, so, but there's something, there's something happening. And what's your take on that?
2: So, the, again, I think just, it's a great question. And yeah, you're seeing a lot of layoffs. I mean, I was in a startup that was i was a victim of layoffs right i mean the company couldn't secure its next round of funding and unfortunately ran out of runway and 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 we were all sent home um in november and so the 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 question hits closer to home than than you can imagine but i think beyond that what you're noticing is i think you know safe to say that if you look at every economist in the country um we're, we're already in a recession um the layoffs that we're seeing are are really what I like to call the, in, in some, most cases, and in, in some of these cases is luxury hires that, that people had. And in other ones, it's, it's kind of um, um, uh, having a really kind of take away some of your headcounts. I haven't seen it as much in security, meaning the layoffs that I've seen in, come in security haven't been in terms of uh, uh, necessarily the critical roles, but it's been more of the, could I automate some of these roles and reduce my head count there um and 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 so forth and th- that's going to be very i don't i don't want to say very very common but we're probably going to see more of that over the next year or so um you're obviously going to see people kind of manage you know vendors are looking to spend smart money now and not just spend money for the sake of spending because we got to get rid of the budget they're, they're looking for for better rois and i think this goes to the conversation that needs to be had around around what what is it that is going to be top of mind this year? And if you can't meet that top of mind, where do you find your customer? And, and top of mind is going to be different based on every single organization, Kim. But we, we, I think we're going to see more layoffs. Unfortunately, I think we're, we're not yet at rock bottom. And, and I think we're, we're, we're very close to it though. What I mean by very close to it. I mean, if fourth quarter results come back and they're everyone adjusted their fourth quarter results to be lower, but if they come back lower than what they projected after the adjustments then it's safe to say that, that you know we're going to have a very rough uh, end first the first quarter will end very rough and and going into the second and third quarter it's going to be about recovery
1: well fortunately i've i was with my past company during our last recession and it was okay it, it didn't really you know, knock on wood, hurt us because people still have to go places to, you know, get cybersecurity resources, and n- companies still need to go get leads in order to help that company grow and bounce back, and attendees still need to get education and keep educated. And it actually some t- it it really helped us because now they can't go to the real expensive places that you know um, they fly to. So we tend to see it. Um, You know, we we pick up on registration and we pick up on certain things. But what I'm seeing is some of your staple old school, and maybe you nailed it on the head, Or the people that have been around for a long time and they just throw budget money out there. Those are the companies because for every old company that said we're, we're going to reevaluate our marketing dollars, I've had a new company replace them. So there's a ton of, you know, new logos, new new vendors that are going to be at our events that are replacing the old vendors, which I kind of find it refreshing. Of course, you know, you, you never want to turn anyone away, but it's just been an interesting year you know, I've been doing this 20 plus years. Um, I'm not really worried because we're still selling out of our speaking spots. It's just an interesting trend that I'm seeing, and um, well, on the vendor side,
2: I, th- I think, Kim, what you're seeing is the the difference between what I'd like to say is um, the the new companies that are coming in to be disruptors um, are coming in now with marketing dollars. Because when can David beat Goliath? It's only when Goliath starts mm-hmm. reaching. Right, And now all the Goliaths are starting to retreat because they're starting to, you know they've got high overheads, they've got high burn rates. so they're trying to really be very mindful and they've got shareholders and they've got to account for shareholders. These young startups though, they're able to come in and really kind of in a way not outspend but out out logo the big boys um, in a way and get in there and, and you know I've been kind of in my spare time working with a few new companies in security and I can tell you that. There's there's a motivation by a lot of them to, um, to come in and make noise because they solve problems that no one else does, and so they want to be able to get in there now, and 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 be heard. And and I think we're headed towards market consolidation. I mean, Kim, if I was if I was you, I'd be looking at the next five years and going, you know, I'm gonna probably have seven logos that are constant everywhere I go, or ten logos that are gonna be constant. And then a bunch of smaller logos that come and go because they're either going to make it or they're going to get acquired Mm -hmm. uh, because cybersecurity is headed towards a massive consolidation, right? If you look at the big companies, um, Amazon is in cloud security now, Google's in cloud security now, uh, Microsoft is a security company. Microsoft is no longer a software company. Microsoft is a security company by, by any stretch of the imagination, um,
1: Microsoft is very very hard to work with though for a small person in a small pond like me. You don't want to agree to their terms and conditions cuz they'll squash you if you break anything, you know. Yeah. So that that is the that is the problem with some of the larger companies because we have had them inquire and I just can't I can't,
2: you know. Yeah, I mean and look I, at AT&T, Verizon and Comcast, they're they're heavily going after the SMB to mid-sized companies. In security I mean, AT&T acquired um, um, AlienVault. They acquired AlienVault because that's the product they're trying to sell to all of the businesses that use AT&T business. Comcast has a team that goes out to every event and buys into companies. Um, mm-hmm. Facebook's doing stuff similar, Well, Meta is. Uh, Alphabet's doing the same when it comes to not only Google Cloud, but Google Enterprise. Um, so, you know, the giants are entering this field. The checkpoints in Palo have to diversify and work well with the cloud providers. But, you know, I think Oracle is going to start making a big security play here uh, in 2023 because they're the fastest growing cloud provider and they're going to want to make some noise on the security side um, as well, um, as well as their ERP side. Um, And and don't be surprised to see, you know, Palo Alto Networks and, and others, CrowdStrike, start to make some serious acquisitions.
1: Yeah. Well, it's it's certainly, you know, an interesting time and you you're right though because I've had so many if you look at some of our first first quarter events, you know, the majority of them are newer companies that I've never even heard of. And they have fun. They had their dollars right away. They get them approved right away. You know, they've done they've tried out our events, you know, they're getting in front of customers. I mean, that's why my events are so great, because, you know, if you are new, it is a great place to, you know, especially since we're doing hybrid modes. So you have two audiences that you're you're getting the word out there, too. But um There was something I was going to ask you, and this is not at all, you know, you know, and, and so it's not at all what this, what we were going to talk about today, but how is this impacting, you know, I'm excited for my attendees to come to my events because they are going to get to not just go talk to this, the staple, the dark traces and the octas and the checkpoints that they're used to seeing at all these events. There's a whole array of new vendors that, um, Hopefully, they'll take the time, especially the CISOs, to go get to know. Um, you know, The CISOs don't always want to go talk to everyone, but um, at least they're sending. I had a call today. The CISO was sending his teams out because he wanted them to come and check out the new vendors that we have in Dallas. So, I mean, I think that's that's great. So, where is the CISO on all this? Where, where do you think, you know, now he may be with somebody that just laid off, you know, a massive, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of companies that were our customers that had massive layoffs that aren't doing business this year because they're doing budget cuts. So what does the CISO have to think about that? I guess, as long as their product works.
2: No. So, so one question I always ask a vendor when I'm, when I'm kind of considering using their solution is what's your R and D budget. Um, To me, the R and D budget tells me if I'm with someone stale or someone who's really forward thinking. Um, And a lot of times, we want to see kind of tell me what your product's doing today. Tell me what the next two, you know, um, uh, the next two big versions coming through are going to look like, or the next version, um, so that we kind of get an idea of what they're working on. And typically, that kind of gives you a allows it allows you to scope out whether or not the company's in trouble or not. Um, So, so that, so that's really important, but you, you, I mean, one of the things that I do is, um, and, and I've always done this with my, my third party uh, uh, um, management team um, is all right, run a full check on the company. What's, what's the, you know, done in Bradstreet or or Dow Jones report showing um, what, what's the latest stuff in the news. I mean, we used, you know, third parties, tools in order to gather intel on vendors, especially if we consider them to be critical or high uh, to our security program, um, and, and and done our homework before we signed the contract. Because the last thing you want to do is sign a contract, begin working with a vendor only to have their product not be relevant nine months later. You're not going to get ROI. You're losing money. And it really does cause frustration with your team. So this is just beyond the the CISOs. Um, Ah uh, risk appetite. This is also around your team's gonna spend all this time and you're investing a lot of time and money in teaching your team how to use a tool. And if that tool happens to go away or if that company doesn't happen to keep up with the pace of business, um, you're gonna have to rip and and replace and that's never easy to do in any sort of environment, but nonetheless, you know even in environments like today.
1: so when you we asked you, hey, James, Excited to have you on this show, but you told Heather mm-hmm. we're going to talk about, you know, the goalpost shift of the CISO. So tell us what that means and where so, you actually, want to go with that.
2: So, so I kind of started talking about that early on with with kind of the, the shift from endpoint to identity, right? And it really does go into your last question, by the way, um, because what what you're noticing is the the vendors that are struggling the most are the vendors that were in kind of that endpoint play, right? I mean, if you look at it and you map it you know, before uh, in my last role, before the company uh, went out of business, one of the things my team and I were working on was looking at these endpoint providers and going, well, what's the real difference between, you know, uh, company A, B, C, D, E, F, right? And there are so many of them. Um, And you're seeing those are the companies that are really kind of in, in in kind of stale mode because they've really plateaued. They've, and a lot of them who've overplayed their hand are now having to get to the new reality of, you're an endpoint and and, and unless you start to address identity, you're not, and, and support the identity side of the business, you're not really gonna do that. And that's the shift, right? The shift was that we all had an EDR, an MDR, or an XDR product, which we, we all still do. Uh, but then you've also had a whole bunch of anti-malware stuff and that was how you kind of authenticated connections, and that's good on the network side. But then the threat actors switched the game, and they started going after identities. And that's not just passwords, but it's also tokens, it's also identity tokens, it's 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 credential tokens, like the Circle CI uh, event that we saw happen towards the uh, beginning of this year, um, just just a, f- a few simple weeks ago, where, where Circle CI told everyone, "Hey, update your keys." and rotate your keys because you know, we don't know just the impact just quite yet. Um, So, so we're starting to see the threat actors understand that they don't want to target just one endpoint or a hundred endpoints because they've got to over, they've got to override a bunch of detection software. They're going after the identity. And if you don't really manage identity well, if you're doing two-factor authentication by text or no, no factor in some cases, or, or, you know, you're just trusting a password and an IP address, um, it becomes easier. And and then I gain persistence because I can do this across 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 accounts that exist in your environment. I can gain persistence. I can elevate privileges. I can do one action on your network from one user, do another action from another user, do a third action from another user. It'd be really, uh, it wouldn't be that hard to detect, especially if it's within the user's scope of work, to run these specific processes i can also plant back and back co- um back doors into your code through your git library by getting access there that's why we're seeing all these uh fake and libraries hit python and the pypy uh, repository of, of, of the you know the pypy marketplace for all the different repositories in python i mean they've, they've switched the goalposts on us it's no longer just hitting an endpoint with malware and downloading something. Those are those still happen, not to say that they don't. But we've obviously gotten a bit more sophisticated around the endpoints. So now they're going after who we are as people and trying to mimic those identities. And that, that does really change the game and changes your strategy across how do you secure your your identities and your people without making it complex, right? Like put in a code, give me your fingerprint, let me scan your retinas. <laughs> and so forth, if that makes sense, Kim.
1: Well, that's way over my head because I'm not a CISO. So how does a CISO keep up with, you know, the fast moving where we're where we're going?
2: So, so you have to rethink the way you you manage your identities. It used to be that identity used to be managed by your IT help desk. And in fact, in a lot of big organizations, that's where identity is managed. It's through your IT help desk. You may want to now move that to your SOC. And actually there's a case to be made that the IT help desk identity section should actually roll into the SOC report to the CISO and dot to IT when it comes to management, uh, rather than some of the traditional ways where they've had, um, kind of identity be part of IT because IT opened the email address, IT sent you to your computer, IT gave you all the, the passwords and whatnot that that should, you know, now be moved from IT, um, to your security operations team and and run IM, Identity uh, Access Management, through your security operations team and SecOps and then really double down on how you're going to run single sign-on, try to move to a passwordless solution, um, try to find uh, um, use apps for multi-factor authentication. You've got to think of re-authentication. You have to think of re-authentication on specific actions so if I've got someone trying to push code, uh, to commit code into my Git, uh, moving from staging to prod, I may want to re-authenticate that user to ensure that it's the right person making uh, uh, making that connection. You want to tie devices to identities and not identities to devices, so kind of want to rethink that. If I give you a device, that device should be tied to only one identity, um, and then you want to look at user behavior analytics uh, being plugged into um, how people interact um, on your on your devices, so you can recognize uh, bot or uh, irregular uh, behavior by your users, um, and and that could trigger you know alerts within your within your security operation team that can then create rules in terms of reauthentication, um, in terms of making someone. Uh, take a selfie and, and uploading it for, for initial analysis through your SOC team, um, a whole slew of ways and factors and methods um, that CISOs could, t- t- could take place. And there's a lot of great vendors when it comes to identity right now that th- it's really an endless realm of possibilities. And, and it's really how can you, what's your security culture like in your organization? What's your tech stack look like? What's your budget look like? What's your appetite and your talent and skill-wise To get something like this this done because identity projects are by no means easy in any sort of way.
1: How many, um, say like a company, I don't know, Global Payments out of Atlanta are, um, let's take Fleet Corp since Ken was just on my show. How many of those security departments and like the teams that like Ken Foster would be running, how many vendors are working with the security teams because obviously it's not just one when there's so many different um solutions.
2: Yeah, it just depends. I mean, it just depends on the size of the company and the tech stack. Um really uh, some some of the numbers I've heard with with some of the bigger companies is around 2 to 300 vendors in wow. security and some of the smaller companies have heard, you know, a dozen, right? Um, and again, it just shows you the different disciplines, but it but it also has a lot to do with with the tech stack and the problem you're trying to solve. Um, and so, a lot of times, you have security priorities to to kind of build out your your foundation of, of your security team or improve it. But but then you've all Kim, you've also got kind of the people, who, uh, you've also got the problems you're trying to solve that kind of rise up based on a business need. You could have had a a, a cyber event. Uh, somewhere where you want to be able to address it uh, and fix that problem, and so you're you're going out and looking for specific tools in order to patch an existing vulnerability uh, in 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 your environment, and then that's also very very common. And so you'll end up either going with a, ven- a new vendor or someone who already you work with. I mean, there's some really um, new technologies out there today. That, that are designed to, one, automate some processes, but number two, also help you kind of fill gaps um, that you were blind to before because technology wasn't, wasn't just there yet.
1: One of the great things about having this show is that it's opened the doors to a lot of cool people that I would have never met had I not had this show. And uh, Richard and how his security yearbook that he does, he's actually going to be in Detroit sitting on my panel in um, March 1st. So how, is that a helpful tool for the CISOs to see what's going on out there? Or maybe, you know, where, where did the CISOs go to figure out, there's so many vendors and, you know, I always, I always ended every, every show, you know, how do you get in front of a CISO, you know, and it's ultimately relationships and, you know, but um, where are these, is, do you think that's, how are the CISOs, there, there's hundreds and hundreds. I mean, you go out to RSA, you're going to have six, 700 vendors. How do you narrow it down to who you want to look at? Or is it just dumb luck that you ended up in front of that company and persistence?
2: No such thing as dumb luck. I, well, that's why
1: I added persistence, right. hard work <laughs> and opportunity, meet luck for all of us that grew up being salespeople. So,
2: so, so I'll tell you this, um, in in most of the cases, I as a CISO don't really go looking for vendors. Um, I really leave it to the team that's responsible for for that solution. So, whoever the director, VP, or manager, senior manager, whoever's leading that team who's looking for the problem is going to go. Someone either that person or someone on their team is going to go out and do some of the work um, and and kind of bring back an analysis of the different companies. That are out there to solve this type of problem it then goes and I'm gonna share my process Um, then that that specific manager director or VP would bring that up in one of our meetings uh, with the rest of the team um, to get feedback if someone had previously had any sort of experience with any one of these companies Um, that would lead to a kind of smaller and shorter list I'll typically get that list and I'll share it on one of the CISO Slack channels and go, hey, I'm trying to solve problem X. This is my short list. Am I missing someone Um, or is there someone on this list that I should see first before I see anyone else? Um, And then we put together what would be the criteria of success for this problem. What are some of the expectations from our new security partner? Um, And then we put out an RFP. We'll ask for a presentation. Um, In some cases, we'll reach out to our VAR um, and say this is the problem we're trying to solve. These are the four vendors or five vendors we potentially want to speak with. Um, can you set it up? Um, you know, we'll give these four days with a two hour window. We want 15 minutes with every single one of them and 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 that's the process.
1: I uh, it's still last year I saw something in a LinkedIn feed. Oh, I was so mad. I didn't call the person out, but I brought it up a couple of times. You know, just the this, this situation, it was a CISO who worked for a payment platform, like a, you know, where you process your credit cards. Right. And um, he puts this, I thought it was just terrible statement, you know, on LinkedIn all vendors, leave me alone. You are driving me crazy. Something like, I don't want to hear from you. It was very vulgar. It was, it was not nice at all. And one sales rep did step up and she'll probably never get his business, but I was like, kudos to you. She's like, "Um, don't the very people that pay your job have to do the same exact thing to keep your business and business, you know, know, I, I get And I don't get them that often, but I used to get tons of calls. I mean, I get cold calls every day. You know, I, yeah, I I try to be a little nicer now because I feel bad for all the vendors, you know, and, and, and Hyatt Alley said so many vendors. How do you figure out which cost product communicates with another? This happens a lot with government contracts. I mean, government contracts, that's, I
2: imagine that's just a government contracts like an omnibus bill. Yeah. No one knows what's in it. Yeah. Right?
1: The the government kudos to all the government CISOs and security teams out there. They can't even they can't even participate in winning prizes when they come to my events. You know, they don't they don't care. They're there for the education. But I'm like Oh, can't you just take this? <laughs> you know, because <laughs> they just they live by a whole different world. And I well, was in the navy, so I get it. You have,
2: know, they have if they have a different ethics group. Cre- I mean, you know this. I mean, you were Navy, I was army. We, yeah. we well know that there's a different we 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 I mean, it's still weird for me when a vendor wants to give me something. Like I've had vendors just ship me stuff at home because they'll email me, they'll email me and say, um, I'm I want to send you a, uh, I want to send you a, uh, a gift home. And I'm like, I don't want a gift because th- that just seems weird for me that you want to send me something for doing business with you. I do business with you because you were the best company for the job I needed. And then someone they'll reach out to someone from my team who will give them my address and then I have a package at my home or at the office. Uh, waiting for us, and 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 I can, you know, I appreciate those, but but it's still weird for me. I, I completely agree. I wish I wish there was less of that, but but there isn't.
1: Hyatt <laughs> said, you know, I'm laughing with you, but it's difficult. I I assume he works for the government, is what I'm assuming.
2: I'm I'm assuming that that might be the case, but yeah, I mean, government contracts and and are, are very different. I think from when you look at kind of you know B two B type of you know. Businesses, you still have, I mean, depending on the tech stack a company has, it could feel like a government contract because there's only one part of the business um, that can do um, that's going to buy a solution only to solve a problem on their end of the business, but nothing on the other side because the other side runs completely independent of that side because that's an on prem, this could be cloud, and there's not really a lot of connections because different apps run on on prem than on the cloud. And so you end up having the really the product security owner um, kind of build product security for their product irregardless to what's existing somewhere else. Uh, and and that's the clash. And I think that's where, you know, that would probably most relate to what Hyatt said when it comes to government contracts.
1: And he's on the human recess. So, uh, uh, side, he said he hires a solution architects, So he's making sure they're not accepting those gifts. <laughs> They don't hire it. They 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 won't play our games at our events. So um
2: They don't do the bingo.
1: Yeah, they don't do the bingo card. <laughs> so I gotta come up with some other way to get them to engage with my vendors. Actually, they're all really, really nice because they really are. I feel like the government people are talking to the vendors because, you know, it's it's um it's their obligation. I feel like they, well, many of them tell me that some never leave the conference room. They never leave the meeting room. I can't, can't force someone to go over there, but, um, I feel like our, our attendees are really good to our sponsors. So.
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean the the last event you had in Atlanta, I think everyone was out talking and and, and
1: we had so many bingo cards. We were in Columbus the week before and, um, I had more prizes than bingo cards. And then in Atlanta, oh my God, I probably had over a hundred bingo cards. So they were talking to our vendors. So that was great. We didn't make them sign as many, as many. So that was really the difference. (laughs) They only had to get the highlighted signatures. So that was about half the vendors, but it populated the vendor room way more. So should not give out my secrets in case there's other event companies listening to me.
2: Even if they are, they still can't deliver the same way you can. Kim.
1: Oh, you're so nice, James. We try hard. I have a great team, and um, we, we have some new employees this this year, so we're really excited. It was it's it's always good to start our event yesterday. Like all those years, we did virtual events. We never we had like over 300 people sign up, and these are good people. And I know Ken Foster was part of it. Everyone loves Ken, <laughs> and for anyone. You know, there there may not be a lot of people listening now, but we get thousands of people that listen to this after we post it. So anyone listening in the future and anyone out there now, we if you happen to be at RSA, we're doing a bourbon tasting with Ken and Pops. Had you ever did you ever make one of my bourbon events?
2: No, I I, I make it a point not to come to RSA.
1: Okay, but did you ever make one of my bourbon virtual events where we had I made
2: one bourbon virtual event? Well
1: remember pops everyone loves pops yep. and him and Ken Foster look like the same person and they're bour-
2: the same person that might yeah be
1: and they both love bourbon so Pops is coming out to RSA and Ken's being the face of the event and I have a couple sponsors that um, are gonna you know pay for the event and we're gonna have a bourbon thing out there
2: so yeah I, so. I make it a point not to come to San Francisco.
1: Yeah. It's, you know what, that trip for me is so fun for me because I don't have to do anything. You know, I don't have to okay. run the event and I get to see all my friends.
2: No, I, I, I get it. Um, I am more of a Black Hat person.
1: I, I know.
2: All, a lot more than I do. Uh,
1: all the cooler people go to DEF CON and Black Hat, actually. <laughs> no one get mad at me. You no, know, all the, a lot of the CISOs go to DEF CON and, and Black
2: Hat. but some Well, because of- the content is a lot better right? At the end of the day, what brings me to future con is content. What takes me to black hat is content. And over the years, historically, you want to go to places where you not only do you learn more and then you talk about, you know, government people coming to future so that they can hear from people to, to gain uh, uh, more knowledge as to how to do their job better. As CISOs, you want to go to black hat because you want to see what the researchers, and I say security researchers and I don't call them hackers, Right. But the security researchers are working on, you also want to be part of that, that community and kind of really be boots on the ground and interact with them because in a lot of times, and, 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 a lot of times they, they will stumble upon something in your environment and you want that, you, you want that relationship like you do with a vendor, like you do with a VAR to come to you and say, um, I think I found something you should have your team look at this. Um. And that, 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 that's so much more powerful than there. RSA to me is just a very big future con, but without the content and in the city. I, it's my hometown, right? I was born in the Bay Area. Love it.
1: Loved it's the just Bay a area. big party is what it is. But,
2: but I haven't, in, in all the years uh, I've, I've gone to RSA, there's I think only one year where I can say the content was above all others. And all the other times I've gone in, it felt like I'm just in in a constant dis dizzy kind of place between all these different vendors and all the booth and all the lights and all the noise and all the parties, but I'm not really getting any value out of being at the event. Um, and
1: I, I, we work really hard and I work really hard to try to get the right keynote speaker because it's all about the keynote speaker and the panelists. And then my team works really hard to make sure that the vendors, that they, I can't say it always happens, that they um, are pushing out educational content and not you know, anybody can do a product demo. Uh, a CISO doesn't want to come to our event to be pitched. They can sit at their office and be pitched. So. Right.
2: And I always tell someone, I don't need to come to you to get a sales pitch. I can just call someone up and be like, I want to see your product. and Exactly. I'll, I'll have exactly. someone showing me the product. But but I will tell you that the, the event that you did in Atlanta had very, very good speakers. Um mm-hmm. the content was very good, including Ken Foster's keynote. But then that panel at the end of the day was... You know, with Phyllis and Dean and Ken and Ken, um, was, was was it
1: was phenomenal. Yeah. It was phenomenal. And Lorraine, who you probably just met, did a phenomenal job.
2: You know, very um, hard to rein in that panel.
1: Yeah, yes yeah.
2: They kept drinking, right? Yeah. Like- <laughs>
1: You're like, Ken, and we're down to, I cannot believe I just switched over. I'm like, how did we get to one minute? So we are wrapping up here. I knew it would go fast. James, you've got to come back on again this year. I can't wait another year for you to come on because it's so Every fun time. to have you on. Thanks Every, so thanks much, James Azar. Check out CyberHub podcast. He, he has tons of great speakers coming. Um, I know there's some other questions that just popped up, but um, thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, we're excited to be um, here again for 2020 things, 23 great things happening. So everyone have a great weekend. If you're in the Midwest or up Northeast, stay warm because it's going to be a cold weekend. Stay safe, stay secure, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks, everyone.
0: Thank you for tuning into and Security for All.